1: flyweight champion of the world.
0: This is Fast Eddie Chambers and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man Joey Coastman.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 357 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger my good friend, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man?
0: I'm doing good, man. How about you?
1: Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That is the truth. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that took place, partially took place anyway, last Friday, um, August 12th. It was at the Findlay Toyota Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona, USA. Again, the main event was supposed to take place in, I think it was Ghana, then Dubai, then just plainly in Arizona. But no, it still didn't take place there. Um, It was a really bizarre card because I think in the UK, if you wanted to watch it, you had to watch it on Fight TV. And I think that might have even been the same for the US. But anyway, um, it started really late. Like, literally, the the undercard started really late. So, it was 5 a.m. UK time is when the undercard started. So, that would be midnight your time, Eddie. And, I'm guessing, in Arizona, about 9 p.m. That was the first fight on the undercard, as far as I'm aware. And, we saw a couple fights. I will mention them. Um. um in fact, before, before I mention them, when the telecast started, I believe... As soon as it started, there wasn't any um, any fights for quite a while. And for about the first half an hour, all that was going on is you could just hear music. And I think there was like two advertisement posters that I guess must have sponsored the event. And the camera was basically positioned on like a chair, projecting onto these two... Um, advertisement posters, and one of them was for a taco shop, I remember that I think the taco shop had sponsored the event or something, and it became quite clear that they didn't have any proper cameramen Um, throughout the event, and it was like a guy was filming the fights from outside the ring on the floor, and a few times when he was, you know, filming these undercard fights, the ropes were getting in the way, it was really quite bizarre, especially because I think it was $30 pay-per-view on Fight TV, it was £25 in the UK over here, um, People were fuming, and that, of course, isn't the main problem with the card. Let's go through the fights that did take place. Keenan Carbahan now 24 and 3 with a draw at TKO in round 3 against Aelio Mesquita, who's now 21 and 8 with a draw. Uh, friend of the show, the mighty midget Tremaine Williams moved to win number 20. He does have that one loss. Um, At world level, and he lost. Sorry, he won here, of course, on on points unanimously over 10 against Jetro Pabustan, who is 31 and 10 with six draws. Um, But yeah, a couple other fights took place. But obviously, the main two fights um, we were supposed to see Lorenzo Simpson in the co feature, and then the main event, of course, Tevin Farmer and Mickey Bay. Um, As far as I'm aware, the promoters didn't deliver on what was promised and I believe the fighters had actually arrived at the venue if I'm not mistaken but anyway they refused to fight so the fight didn't happen and of course the card ended up you know finishing a lot earlier than it was expected to and I'm not sure what's happening about refunds because that was absolutely just insane to be honest but it is the sport of boxing and Anything can happen in this crazy, crazy sport that we all love. Um, Leave him Friday alone, though. We certainly should. We're going to move now to Saturday, August thirteenth, at the Resorts World Las Vegas over here. It was on ESPN. Let's start with the undercard. Um, a good win for prospect Troy Isley. He's now seven and zero, a unanimous decision over six rounds against Victor Tony, who is a relation somewhere along the line. Um, of James Tony, he's now six and two with a draw, um, wins as well on the undercard for Duke Reagan. He's now um, seven and zero. Oh. He was able to beat unanimously over six rounds. D'Angelo Fuentes, who's now seven and one, and Omar Rosario now eight and zero, oh, a unanimous decision over six rounds against Esteban Munoz. Um, in other news on the card, we had. Um, Zander Zayas, the Puerto Rican prospect, now 14 and 0, a TKO in round five against Elias Espedas, who's now 22 and 5. Good knockout for Zayas. I actually thought that one could have ended up going eight rounds, the full distance, but no, he did well to get the stoppage. Espedas was down in the first round. It was for the NABO um, WBO super welterweight title, so that's good there for Zayas. Um, I should mention as well, Andres Cortes, now 18-0, and a unanimous decision over eight rounds, quite wide in the end against Abraham Montoya, now 20-4 and with a draw. But the main event, Teofimo Lopez, now 17-1. and He returned back to winning ways, obviously, after losing to George Cambosos. He was back with a bang, up at a new weight. Um, a 7th round TKO against Pedro Camper, who's now 34-2 and with a draw. It was for the WBO International Super Lightweight title and the North American Boxing Federation. So, NABF Super Lightweight title as well. Both belts were vacant. Um, it was an exciting fight. Um, I felt that Tiofimo used his jab a hell of a lot more than he normally would. Um... You know, it was an assertive jab. It was a solid jab, and obviously he had the edge in in uh, hand speed. His opponent was a lot bigger than him, though. We should note that. But I felt that TFEMO looked sharp. I liked his counter punching. Um, I feel like I saw a slightly different side to him than what we normally see. Um, obviously, as the fight went on, particularly the mid rounds, he started to kind of up the gears. And, yeah, you know, he, he turned up, I guess, in the end, and he kind of looked like the old Lopez, the flashiness, it was all there, the pizzazz, the charisma, and he said it himself, I have the it factor that some of these other guys don't have. And he does have the it factor, he certainly does, um, but yeah, it was made for he was made to work for the win, um, but it was a good win, it was a perfect kind of comeback fight, I felt that the stoppage was a little bit premature from Tony Weeks, but other than that, he um, didn't really put a foot wrong, and yeah he does inject excitement into the 140 division and there's some big fights to be made for him eddie i don't know if you saw any of it at all but if you did then um say a couple words if not i will bring this review part to a close and welcome our special guest former wbo heavyweight world champion joseph parker
0: yeah yeah uh, joe i've seen you know a, a little bit of it, and I saw some of the highlights. I made sure I got back to it because I was trying try to watch some of them, but I couldn't. I actually couldn't get to it, hundred percent. But I was I was watching the highlights, but I couldn't even do that. So busy, man, always running around, doing so much work. But um, from what I saw, he was he was boxing the kid pretty good, but he was staying there a little bit too much, giving the guy opportunities a little bit to to, to win the only way he could, and but I, you can kind of see he was feeling good. He was, he was, he was, uh, he was confident. You could see he felt comfortable at the weight a little more um, than I guess what he was when he was trying to make 35. Um, he looked, he looked strong. You know the punches looked like they were obviously having an effect. Obviously ended up getting stoppage. Um, he, he, he was still sharp. You could still see he's class. You know you could still see he's one of the better guys that's out there. You know what I mean? But I still. When I watch him get hit, and this is me with a lot of fighters, like I look at, I always go back to saying, looking at uh, Shakur Stevenson, he does not allow you to hit him for no reason. You understand what I'm saying? That's a very, very important thing with fighters. I feel like you cannot allow punches to land just because you want to show how tough you are, how big your balls is, pause uh, You know what I mean? I think it's, it's, it's more, it's bigger than that. It's more important. So even though you're good and you're feeling great, still fight as clean as you possibly can. Yeah, it's great for the fans to stay there and, and exchange blows with a guy and, and, and things like that. But when you're that high of a level above him, if you're that much better than him, you've got to prove it and you got to make sure that you don't get hurt. And I, I stress that a lot. A lot of fighters don't don't think about it like that. And when their career's over, they don't talk really well. They're not able to do certain things. They're not able to articulate enough to even be, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, pundits. So take this thing serious I think if you're that kind of class and you're that you know that far above him outclass him don't let him touch you if you can that's why I really respect Shakur's uh, skills and ability because he doesn't just allow you to land shots unnecessarily you know what I mean but fair play if he looked good he looked sharp you know it was an exciting fight the fight at least at least it looked to be um he got the stoppage and there's no I don't I'm not there's not too much critique I can put on him I think he did well. But if we're gonna say anything, and I'm I'm looking out for him when I'm saying this, try to be as clean as possible when you get in there. Punches there, they don't pay you for overtime, and they don't pay you to get hit either. I mean, I, you kind know, of they kind of do, but <laughs> but if you can avoid it, that's the best. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, great fight. It was, it, you know, from what I've seen, and and it looked to be exciting. Great win. Uh, congrats to him.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. And that brings the review part of the show to a close. The final thing for me to do just before we end this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Joseph Parker. Joseph, welcome back on the show, my man.
2: Thank you for having me on, as always.
1: Always a pleasure speaking with you, Joe. So, we last spoke back in September, um, almost a year ago. It was just after the Derek Chisora rematch was announced for later that year. Um, Obviously, that first fight was a really difficult fight. Most people expected the second one to go the same way. I personally didn't think it was the smartest move to take the second fight, but... You didn't have many options on the table, but you dealt with him in good fashion. You had him down three times on the way to that unanimous decision. Um, were you happy with that performance now, looking back?
2: Looking back now, I was a lot happier with that performance uh, compared to the first one. And a lot of things come come into play with that performance. It's just the more time I have with Andy Lee, being a bit more comfortable here, in um, a new training environment in the team that I have, or the new team that I up with and just putting things in place in, in, in camp where I was able to execute it a, a lot better you know, in the fight. So I was able to be more aggressive and not too defensive. And I was able to show that I could stand there and trade. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think it was, a, it was a good performance. Now, if you compare it to a lot of my performance as, as of late, that was probably one of the, the best ones. You know what I mean? 100%. So I was happy with
1: it. Yeah, 100%. Probably your best performance for three and a bit maybe four years I'd say um And yeah, you know, even last time out, Chisora obviously beat Pulev, so it goes to show it was a good win. Um, After that, again, things went a little bit quiet. There was talk of the Joe Joyce fight. I think it was on, then it was off. Now it's back on, of course. September 24th is the date at the Manchester Arena. Surely, Joe, that's got to be one of your favorite arenas to box at. I think you're 3-0 there. You've boxed there, obviously, in both of your last two fights. You also beat Huey Fury there years ago. It seems to be one of your best venues that you perform in.
2: Listen, it's uh, you know with the three wins, I'm I'm sure this this venue is going to give me the fourth one. <laughs> uh, I, I, listen, I love fighting here in the UK. Obviously, the, the team that I have now is based here, and I'm based here myself. It's great to train here, but there's a lot of support. I know I'm from New Zealand. But there are a lot of New Zealanders living here. There's also a lot of support from the, the British fans. So it's nice to be here, nice to be uh, to get amongst everyone and, and to be fighting back in the Manchester Arena. You know, we've had three good wins.
1: Three good wins, all three by decision. Um, apart from the money, because I'm sure the money was good for this fight, but what... Else made you want to fight Joe Joyce because he's a guy I don't think many fighters want to fight, and in some ways he's almost a little bit freakish in terms of, you know, the great engine, the the really good chin. He's very strong, you know, not not really the kind of attributes you'd link with a heavyweight.
2: Joe Joyce is a challenge for any heavyweight out there. Great engine, keeps coming forward, throws a lot of punches, and for me, I've come off come off a win with and over Derek Chisora, but. There's no point. <clears throat> I was offered other fights. There were other fights out there to to, to get in the ring and fight this person. You know, you're you're meant to win this fight or that fight. But I saw you know, the Joe Joyce fight was talked about for a while. And when I did sign with Sky, I made it clear to him that I wanted that fight. If we could make it happen. And so, you know, credit to Sky and Boxer and you know Frank Warren and Queensbury and you know BT Sports for working together to make this happen. Thanks to my manager David Higgins for making it happen because it's a fight that I wanted. I, I love challenges. And I feel Joe Joyce is a big challenge, a great challenge, and it's a challenge for me to take on the phone. <clears throat> and I was
1: on the phone the other day to heavyweight Michael Hunter, who's a good personal friend of mine, and he was with about three or four other people, and we were like all kind of talking about this fight, and you know, just talking about the tactics of it, and it's so exciting. And tactically, I wanted to ask how you saw the fight going because between. All of us on the phone the other day. We were kind of thinking, well, Parker's got the edge in speed. Parker can also bang. Parker also has a good chin. Joyce has struggled a couple times with guys that are a couple inches shorter than him in the past. And for a big, tall guy, he doesn't really fight on the outside much. We think that will work to your advantage.
2: Yeah, it can work to my advantage. But you know, I, I see Joe Joyce as a fighter who you know he's got the style that everyone you know he comes forward and he, he, he you know for a big guy. He's got good reach and good height and he should use it to his language. But he likes to fight in close or he likes to close close, you know, the fighter down or his opponent down. So I think um I've given, you know, Andy Lee as my coach in this fight. He's he's uh, come up with a good game plan, which we're practicing every day in the gym. And it's uh, it's a bit of everything. You know, I, I think uh, the great fighters are the ones that if you go into a fight and you fight plan A and that doesn't work you, the good fighters are the ones that are able to change it up. And, you know, try different plans until you get the right plan. So we're working on different strategies and different game plans um, that we think we be able to counter what he brings.
1: And I watched the press conference today, actually, for the first time. I missed it, you know, when it, when it initially happened. And I've got to say, it was probably one of the most awkwardest press conferences I've seen in recent times. Um, <laughs> was it awkward being yeah. there,
2: Joe? <laughs> Listen, imagine, yeah, I was just going to say, Imagine being imagine being the person involved in this awkward press conference. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was it was awful. Like it was you got two nice guys, you know, and then we don't talk crap. And then you know, there was a bit of frustration because it took a while to lock the fight in and they're saying this about our team and we're saying this about their team. But just um everything that I said, you know, when Joe Joyce was, was replying, it's like everything came out backwards. I don't know, you know, it was just it was just so it was awkward.
1: It was really, it was really quite um, funny at times, but yeah, it was, it was awkward. It did look that way. Um, Joe, should you win against Joyce, what's kind of in the plans for twenty twenty three? Because I'm guessing you probably, um, I was going to say you probably won't fight again before the years out. But then I remember the press conference you did say there's a rematch clause that uh, could see you fight him again in December. Yeah, look,
2: um, you know the goal is to, to fight on September twenty four, get the win. You know, have a little bit of a break, go home and see my kids, my wife, and then come back again and train to beat him again in December. Then, you know, once I beat Joe Joyce twice, then, you know, there's a lot more doors and opportunities that do open up. But my full focus is on Joe Joyce because he is, you know, he's not one of those fighters that you can just look over and look past. You have to give him, you know, my full attention and do everything I can in training to be in the best possible shape that I can be in going to the swipe.
1: and over the past weekend, Tyson Fury celebrated his birthday. He came out and said he's retired. A lot of the media and the fans have learned to kind of take sometimes what he says with a pinch of salt because he does love to wind people up. It's not the first time, of course, he's announced his retirement. Uh, So we're not sure whether to believe it or not, but you're a lot closer to the camp these days. Do you really think that's it, that we won't see him in the ring again?
2: Yes, a lot of people are saying that you know, he says a lot of things, but I just, whatever he says, I just take it and accept it. You know, he said he is retired and he's enjoying a lot of time with his family and, and doing other things besides, he's training every day, though. He's he's uh, a part of our camp and training and, you know, he's coming to all the sessions, doing his own boxing sessions, going for runs. But um, at the moment, I think he is really retired and, and just enjoying his life and enjoying the, the, the time that he has with his family because he's been a lot of time away from his family.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say, I did see you jogging with him the other day. Um, I was assuming that, um, you know, he, he'd come into camp and I just wanted to know how, how, how much of the time he'd been there, but you pretty much answered it there. He's almost been in, um, every day, which is, is cool. Um, yeah, what I mean, is he giving you any pointers? I know he sparred Joyce in the past a long time ago, but I feel like he knows Joyce quite well um, in terms of how he fights because he wasn't in great shape at the time, but by all accounts, he did really well, Tyson.
2: Yeah, sorry, you cut up there.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry, I'll repeat. I was saying um, Tyson in the past, I know that he sparred Joyce, but Tyson himself was massively yeah. out of shape. Has he been able to give you any pointers? I feel like he knows Joyce's fighting style quite well.
2: Listen, I think he knows Joyce you know, because of the sparring that they've had um, in, in the US you know, uh, before the Wilder fight. But I haven't really spoken to him about you know, the, the sparring or what happened. He did mention that they did spar, but maybe I should pick his brains a bit more on it because he, he would know Joyce quite well from that, uh, you know, from that, from that camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, this weekend, the big rematch, Joshua Usyk. I'm sure you're gonna certainly be tuning in to watch it, Joe. Um, who wins the rematch and
2: how? Um, it's a great fight, great fight. It just it depends. It depends what Adrian turns up. Um, there's a lot of changes within this team and how he's approaching the fight, and hopefully he's in in the great uh my, mindset and, and mind mind frame going into this fight. But I I, I I'll favor with and also, he's just very skilled, you know, and he's, uh, I heard he's put in some great work in the sparring and training, both guys have, but I think I'm edging a little bit towards Yusek just because of the first fight and how how it sort of ended.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. And your former foe, a man that you firsthand. hand uh, you know, had experience being in a ring with Mr. Andy Ruiz. Um, you were one of the few people that gave him a chance against Joshua. Of course, he boxes Luis Ortiz September fourth. I think that's a really interesting fight. But how do you see that one playing out, Joe?
2: Well, I'm the same as you. I think that's very interesting. You got Ruiz, young, you know, fast, good speed on him, good power. And you got Ortiz, who's a little bit older. I'm not sure how old he is. or I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone knows how old he is, but he still can pop, you know? And uh, we'll see. Uh, was his last fight against Martin? Um, uh, was that his last fight? Was it? Or did he have another fight after that? Who's but this? He Ortiz? Like...
1: Ortiz, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Martin.
2: Yeah, yeah, he he looked good in that fight. You know, Martin was doing well, and you know, he got caught with a big, you know, left hand. So Ortiz can still pop at whatever age he's at. So it's it's an interesting fight. I don't know how to call it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting one. And just finally, Joe, if you've got a prediction for your fight, only if you have one, obviously September 24th back at, I want to say, your backyard now, Manchester Arena. Uh, How do you see it going?
2: (laughs) I think it's going to be a tough fight, but I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to be prepared because I'm doing everything right. And I am so excited for this opportunity to showcase my skills, and the power that I do possess is a heavyweight. And I want to beat Joyce up. I want to beat him up. And my goal is to get him out of the ring and be the first person to do it.
1: There we go. And just finally, Joe, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners before we let you go, say whatever you like, my friend.
2: All the listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you guys for the support for myself, for boxing, and look forward to putting on a great performance come the 24th of September, and I can't wait. Absolutely.
1: We'll all be tuning in. Listen, Joe, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that. Best of luck September 24th in Manchester, and we'll speak sometime afterwards.
2: Thank you, Barth. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Going to start here with this one. It was a bit of a shocker, because the fight was supposed to take place a few uh, I want to say a couple years ago now, and it didn't happen. Then it was on again, and it looked like it was certainly going to be happening. But no, um, earlier this week, um, Adrian Broner pulled out of his upcoming fight against Figueroa. Adrian Broner has expressed that he's dealing with a lot of issues mentally in terms of his mental health and stuff. Um so yeah, he's pulled out of his fight with Figueroa. Figueroa is another guy who's had to overcome a hell of a lot of mental health struggles in recent times. Um so yeah, both guys were kind of in a in a similar spot I guess mentally, I guess career-wise and a few other things, you know, both former champions and stuff. But um yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit um I mean it's not about what I think. Of course, if he really is struggling with mental health stuff then, you know, let's uh let's let's sympathise with him for those things even though I don't think Adrian Broner is the most liked or likable um, fighter out there. But if he is going through these, these situations, then of course we have to um, feel sympathy for him. But um, yeah, it's a shame that that fight has fallen through, because I was really looking forward to that fight. I think Adrian Broner was quite a big favourite. And in steps, Sergei Lipinets to fill the spot. He was supposed to be on the undercard, so he's now elevated to the main event against Figueroa. And Lipinets automatically becomes the favourite again. So um, yeah, there's a lot... Um, on the line for, I guess, uh, Figueroa now. Um, There always was, but Figueroa, the underdog in both of the fights. And I feel a little bit sorry for him because Obviously, he's been preparing for Adrian Broner for such a long time. And for the last-minute switcheroo on fight week, it's not ideal, you know, because Figueroa is a guy who I think has a lot to prove to himself if he wants to carry on boxing. And I think, like, if you've been preparing all this time for Broner and you're really, you know, looking to upset the odds and put on a show and show everyone that you're you're still, you know, a a top dog in, in the division... Um, to have a last minute switch against a completely different guy, I feel like it's not ideal. I feel like you're not going to be able to make that same splash that you thought you were going to do. So I hope he can win. You know, I like Omar. He's been on the show before, as has Liponets, to be totally honest. I like both guys, but I'd like to see Omar Figueroa have a bit of luck because he hasn't had much luck in recent times. Um,. Yeah, anyway, let's leave that there. Moving on to the next piece of news. Um, Denzel Bentley has had his next fight announced. It's going to be September 16th, which is a Friday. It's going to be live on BT Sport at York Hall. He'll be stepping in, uh, defending his um, his title, uh, uh, his British title against... Uh, Marcus Morrison, so that one could be quite interesting. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I think Bentley probably on points. That's my prediction, I think, for that one there. Um, in other news, we have the fact that top-rank have signed the heavyweight knockout artist um, Arsene Bek Makhmadov. He's signed with with uh, top-rank. 33 years of age is Makhmadov these days, uh, managed, I think, by the Eye of the Tiger management based in Canada been a pro a little while now. Um 14 and 0 with 14 KO's he is so there's a lot of fights I'd like to see him involved in. Um it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver him. Um but yeah, I'm all for it and really excited for that. Um what else do we have? Yeah, another another good piece of news actually. Amanda Serrano has been added to the Joe Joyce Joseph Parker card. We just spoke to Joseph Parker a few moments ago. Um, Amanda Serrano on the undercard defending her um, WBO, WBC um, and a couple of other titles I think she has at featherweight. So she's moved back down in weight after fighting um, Katie Taylor at the MSG. What was that earlier this year? I think it was. Time seems to be just flying. But she gets in with Sarah Mafoud. I think it's said, who has the IBF title. So it's a unification or a I think it's the unification. I don't think the WBA is on the line. Otherwise, it would have been an undisputed fight there. But great to see Amanda Serrano fighting in the UK. Unbelievable. Um, Elsewhere on that card as well, we have um, Anthony Kakachi getting in with... um fighter I haven't actually heard of. Uh, he's 21-0 and with 13 KOs. He gets in with uh, this guy here, Michael Magnesi. He's an unbeaten Italian fighter. And it's for the IBO, uh, the IBO Super Featherweight World title. So all the best there to Anthony Kakachi. Um, and in other news, it has been announced as well. It's going to be going down, um, Eddie, on October 15th. It's going to be happening in New York at the Barclays Center. We have the return... Uh, the, the return of Deontay Wilder. He steps in with former sparring partner, Robert Hellenius. Um, I'm not going to give my opinion too much on that fight, but did you want to say a couple words, Helanius Wilder? Good comeback
0: fight or not? I mean, for, I feel like... For, eh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good comeback fight in a sense. I mean, I think uh, Helanius is going to be there to be hit. He's not really got any special effects. He's a dangerous puncher, but... Wilders pro- proven to be tough, and I think this is one fight that he might be able to win on the cards because I just don't see Hellenius as that complicated a guy. You know what I'm saying? He ha- he has the dangerous, you know, heavy big right hand, and he's a big guy, but I think he's a he's honestly a big target. I think the difference with him and um and uh what's my man? Uh, uh Gano- Ganovsky, uh, Adam Ganovsky, who's which is who's. Who lost to uh, Alanius and giving him that you know lease on life? That's like that 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 new lease on life as far as in the division. Um, he his style was to try to get close and overwhelm. I think for Wilder, he just needs somebody to be on, on the end of his shots. So I mean, I think I think this is actually not a bad fight for him. Might be jumping right back into the fire a little bit, but I think it's something that he can handle. To be honest, Wilder's so unorthodox and got such a big right hand that i feel like you know it's a it's a good chance that he's gonna get in there and he'll he'll get him out of there probably within the first few possibly the middle rounds that's the way i see it
1: yeah i think it's a fair enough kind of comeback fight helenius as you say did get that second uh second or third lease of life when he was able to stop uh karnaki in back-to-back fights uh obviously the last one being back in october of last year so um by the time the fight comes round, he'd have been out of the ring for a year and a week, and it's the same—it's um, the same exact amount of time for Deontay Wilder because those fights, you know, his fight with uh, Tyson Fury, the third fight, obviously that's that was the same night. Kalnaki and Hellenius two was on the undercard, so both coming off the exact same amount of uh, time out of the ring. But yeah, no, Hellenius, yeah, it's a decent fight, obviously. 31-3 and Hellenius, obviously, uh, the two losses, or the three losses, I should say, to Johan Duhalpus, a guy really pretty much known for, for, um, I think, giving Wilder a good fight, but being knocked out in the end, and then a points loss to Dillian White, I think that was um, an awful performance by White that night, and then the most recent loss to Gerald Washington, a man you know well. Eddie, back in 2019, Um, yeah, it's a a decent fight, that for Wilder, I don't really have much issue with it, Um, moving out now, or moving on to the preview part, I should say, because we've only done news all this time, Um, let's start, I'm going to start here in the US, I'm going to get the US out of the way first, and then move on to the Saudi card, let's start here, in the U.S. at the Pechanga Arena in San Diego, California, USA. It's going to be live on ESPN and ESPN Plus, I think, the undercard. Um, a couple good fights here, here, by the way. Um, we have Nico Ali Walsh on the undercard, 5-0. and He has a rematch here with Reyes Sanchez, who's 7-2. and If you remember, Nico Ali Walsh, I think, won the first fight. By majority decision over four rounds, and it was really close. Like a lot of people felt Sanchez deserved the decision. So, credit to Nico Ali Walsh for getting back in with Sanchez. Um, Sanchez, I think, has had two fights since he won one and lost one. Nico has obviously picked up, I think, maybe two or three wins since then, if I'm not mistaken. Elsewhere on the card, Lindolfo Delgado, 15 and 0, gets in with Omar Aguilar, who's 24 and 0. That's over eight rounds there. Uh, we also have Giovanni Santalán, 29 and 0, getting in with Julio Avila, who's 19 and 0 with two draws. That's over ten rounds there. And the main event, Emmanuel Navarrete, 35 and 1, defending his WBO featherweight world title. He gets in with Eduardo Baez, who's twenty-one and two with two draws. Um Navarrete, of course, the deserving favourite in the fight. Um I love watching Navarrete fight. Still one of the youngest, um, you know I say youngest, I think he's about twenty seven now, but I remember him being you know, 24, 25, beating the likes of Isaac Dogbay, looking really good. But um, he's always really exciting to watch, I think. But Baez, I don't know, I don't I don't think his style is going to gel too well with Navarrete's. I think it does take two to tango in most situations. And I think this fight here might be a little bit boring, dare I say. I hope I'm wrong, but I think, yeah, I think... Um, Navrete should have it in the bag, Eduardo Baez not really a big puncher or anything like that, a tough Mexican of course they all are, but um, yeah the losses came um, by a majority decision to Raisa Alim and um, by unanimous decision to Maurizio Lara who a lot of people um, know recently for his fights against um, Josh Warrington of course. Um, Yeah, so that's it really for that card there. All the best to all the guys on that card. Moving out now to the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, USA. This one... Um, isn't on TV, but I'm going to mention it. Of course, friend of the show Cassius Chaney, 21 and one these days, in an eight rounder here against Matthew McKinney, who's nine and five with three draws. Moving out now to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, USA. This one's going to be live on Showtime. We mentioned it a few moments ago. Omar Figueroa, 28 and two with a draw, steps in with Sergei Lipanets. I think um, they kind of had the fight finalised on, like, Monday or something. Uh, Lipanet's 16-2 and two with a draw. Um, Lipanet's a big favourite. It's for the WBC silver super lightweight title, so it's at 140, which is a weight I think Figueroa really needs to be at. I don't want to see him up at 147s and 154s and stuff like that. That's another thing Broner was doing, fighting at weights that he really shouldn't be boxing at. They were so similar in ways. Um... But yeah, Lippenitz, obviously is a 140 fighter as well, So, and he's a proper 140 fighter. So it's going to be interesting. I hope Figueroa can pull it off. Um, on the undercard, Roger Gutierrez defends his WBA World Super Featherweight title. 26-3 with a draw. He gets in with the undefeated Hector Garcia, who is 15-0. We also have Alberto Pueyo, who's 20-0. Uh, fighting here for the vacant WBA World Super Lightweight title against a guy called Botirzon Akhmadov, who's 9-1. Never heard of that guy. Um, talking of guys I have heard of, though, the very exciting prospect Brandon Lee, 25-0, um, gets in here with Will Madeira, who's 17-1 with three draws. I think Brandon Lee's recorded about 22 KOs in his 25 wins. Very exciting uh, young fighter. Um, elsewhere on the card, I don't know if he's definitely fighting or not, but he was listed to fight. Ishmael Barroso. A bit of a throwback name, I guess, um, from the Anthony Crawler days. 23-3 and three with two draws. No opponent just yet for him. Former world champion Roche Warren. 19-3 and three these days. A little bit of a kind of... Um, um, a little bit of a who really needs him kind of club. I think he's found himself in. Um, like I say, 19-3. and 3. I think the most recent loss came to Nordin Ubali And he's just kind of fell off the uh, the wagon kind of thing. No one's really talking about this guy anymore. He gets in with Francisco Portillo, who's 17-11 and 11 with two draws. But yeah, Roche Warren, very talented fighter. I'd like to see him, you know, make another big run. I think he is still one of the top guys. He just doesn't ever get mentioned. I can't even tell you uh, what weight he's fighting at these days. It's just so bizarre. He's been... I kind of link him with Robert Easter Jr. Like one or two losses and just disappeared off the face of the earth, kind of thing. Why are these guys not getting big fights, particularly Robert Easter? But that's another conversation. What on earth's happened to him? Um, in other news, Fyodor, um says Kazin nineteen and zero at middleweight here over eight rounds against Gilbert Venegas, who's who's eleven and one. Anyway, that's it for that. Moving out now to the big one. I think we'll all agree. It goes down in the Jeddah Superdome in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, live on The Zone. Um, if you're not in the UK, it's on The Zone. But if you are in the UK, it's on Sky Box Office. Um, let's start with the undercard, it's good to see Ben Whitaker back, this will be his second fight in quick succession, he made his pro debut, I think it was this month to be honest with you, I think. Anyway, he gets in with Peter Nosic, who's actually 6-0, and an undefeated fighter, obviously wouldn't have nowhere near the same pedigree as an amateur as, as Ben Whittaker, the silver medallist. Um... A young Ukrainian light heavyweight. I think he's about six foot six, this guy. Very, very tall. He's five and oh. Um, all five wins have been on points. He's managed to land himself on the undercard. He gets in with Joseph Jurko, who's nine and six with a draw. Uh, we've also got Ramla Ali, who's six and oh. Obviously, the Muslim fighter. She. Um, fights here against a, a lady called Crystal Nova, who's 10 and 2, but all 10 of her wins have come by knockout. She's been knocked out once in one of her losses, one of her two losses. Ramla Ali. I think 6-0 and oh with 1 KO, so you'd imagine that fight's going to kind of be Bull and Matador, so Ramler Ali's not going to want to stand and trade with Crystal Nova, because Crystal Nova's only chance really is going to be to hurt Ramler Ali and you know and, 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 and put it on her and knock her out and stuff, so Ramler Ali I think is going to be running there, so that's free money if you want to bet on that points win, um, it's almost even money there for Ramla Ali to get a points win, I think that's the way it's going to go, and um, Crystal, Crystal Nova, 10 knockouts, you know, for a lady, that doesn't... Doesn't happen much. She's twenty-five to one for the knockout win. If she can get the upset, that's her only way of doing it. Um, we've also got Andrew Tabiti, a bit of a strange one on the undercard. Nineteen and one to Tabiti these days. He gets in with an undefeated fighter by the name of James Wilson, who's seven and zero with a draw. Um, Andrew Tabiti. 15 KOs from his 19 wins. James Wilson, 6 KOs from his 7 wins. So you'd have to say really that it shouldn't go the distance. Uh, The only thing with this guy, uh, James Wilson, is that he hasn't boxed for two and a half, um, sorry, three and a half years. Uh he, he last boxed in over six rounds against a guy who was thirteen and twenty and it was a majority draw over six rounds. So he's coming back off that um and yeah, gets in with Tabiti. He's a six foot tall, heavyweight, by the way, this guy. And this fight here is is um I'm guessing it I'm guessing it it must gotta be cruiserweight, hasn't it, I guess. Is I'm getting confused once again, Eddie. Tabiti is the He's the cruiser. Yeah, there we go. Got it this time. Didn't confuse him with a light heavy. Um, and elsewhere on the card, an- another real strange one, I guess. Badu Jack, 26 and 3, with three draws these days. He gets in with an undefeated fighter, Richard Rivera, who's 21 and 0. Um, Badu Jack in recent times has just been <sighs> frustratingly having really, really small, strange, you know fights that don't really make much sense. He boxed on a Jake Paul undercard um back in 2020. Um you know, after he lost to John Pascal back in um December 2019, that was his comeback fight on a Jake Paul undercard and I felt like he had unfinished business really with John Pascal. It was a split decision loss. Then of course after the Jake Paul shenanigans he he ends up fighting on a small card um um I can't remember who. I think it was a I think it was another it might have even been another Jake Paul undercard or something like that or some kind of undercard he's just been really popping up in weird places on weird undercards um you know, four wins since he lost to Jean Pascal, three by knockout. But the opponents have been just terrible in terms of levels. And, you know, he had a fight in Dubai in that time. I think two fights in Dubai in that time against completely unknown guys. Here he gets in with this guy, Richard Rivera, like I say, 21-0, 16 KOs. Um, an American fighter as well from Connecticut. But, yeah, I mean, as a pro, he hasn't got any names on his record that I notice at all. So I don't know if this guy is gonna just be uh, you know, I don't wanna say a fraud, that's a bit too hot a bit a bit too harsh, but um I mean, Eddie, we've come across some funny nicknames and this guy's nickname is Popeye the Sailor Man. He's a thirty one year old. It's one of the worst nicknames I've ever come across actually
0: there. So yeah. yeah he might get that award, Joe. Yeah, he's gonna get that award for that one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I much prefer um, Badu Jack the Ripper. I much prefer that. Uh, moving up the card, we have this one here. i tell you what, if you want to make money for free, then please bet on this. Because, uh, look, I have been counting down the days for this fight to happen. It was supposed to happen before. Filip Hergovic, 14-0. and 0. His dad passed away, so that's why it didn't happen last time. And someone stepped in to fight... Um, you know, to, to take his place. And it was an American. An American, The American got knocked out. It was Scott Alexander, of course. He, he got knocked out in one round. And he made Zilil Zhang look good. He made Zilil Zhang look really good. Banged this guy out in a round who had about two two or three days notice, I think. Um, obviously, they have managed to get the fight back on. I think it's some kind of eliminator there. So, um, yeah, anyway. Philip Hergovic, 14-0. and 0, With... Um, with twelve KOs, stepping in with Zilil Zhang, 24 and 0 with one draw, 19 KOs, the six foot six South poor Chinaman, who these days is 39 years of age. So yeah, the bet is I think Philip Hurgovich knocks him out. Um I would even go as far to say I could see it happening within the first half of the fight. Maybe even within four rounds. So yeah, I'm gonna be betting on that. But certainly for him to Uh, for for Hergovich to to knock out Zili Zhang. That is... um, I I just can't see anything else but that. Like, I would put my house on that to happen. So let's see if I'm... uh, going to look really foolish this time next week. It's going to be exciting. Um, stepping up once again, we have Callum Smith of the UK, 28-1. and 1. Coming off that loss, by the way, to Canelo. It seems like that was ages ago, but yeah, he hasn't boxed since then, Callum Smith. Oh, no, he has, he has. He boxed his one fight up at, up at um, Light Heavy, didn't he, when he knocked out a guy in a couple of rounds um Oh yeah, that was on the Joshua Usyk undercard the first time around, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, he's back. He's back. Um, he gets in with Matau Baldaleek, who's 21 and one. The Frenchman, um, Southpaw, six foot one, just come off a good win last time out against Igor McCorkin, by the way. And he's got a couple of other decent names, Dudu and Gumbu. Not a bad fighter. Um, yeah, the one blemish on his record, though, is a terrible blemish. He lost to a guy called Dragon Lepai who was 10-1 and 1 with two draws, and he was knocked out in the first round by LePai. That one was back in 2017. I haven't seen the fight, but obviously since then he seems like he's stepped up his competition and He's been getting wins. I mean, he made Igor McCorkin quit on his stall last time out. That's quite impressive there because the only other guy he'd been stopped by was Kovalev. And it was a good version of Kovalev back then. So I'd say this guy's got a little bit about him. But I do really think that Callum Smith is a top quality fighter even though he looked horrendous against Canelo. So all the best to Callum Smith, friend of the show. Um, and then yeah, moving to the main event, all eyes over Eddie for the IBF, IBO, WBA, and WBO heavyweight world titles. Alexander Usyk, the champion, nineteen and oh, stepping in with Anthony Joshua, twenty four and two. Will it be repeat or will it be revenge? There's so many tangibles. Anthony Joshua, of course, um, you know, ditching. I don't. I'm not sure if he's completely ditched him or he's brought um, a new guy on, on board, as well as his old trainer, Rob McCracken, that's something I should know, to be honest, but I don't really read, or, 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 watch videos much anymore, with, with, uh, boxing news sites, and stuff, so I'm not sure if he's still with McCracken, but anyway, forget about McCracken, he has, um, Robert Garcia, that's going to be the main man, I believe, on the night, Robert Garcia, I guess, known for, um, training a lot of guys to be pressure fighters you know a lot of aggressive kind of styles we've seen him in the corner with over the years um very good trainer i think he was the ring magazine trainer of the year once or twice in the past really knowledgeable guy obviously fought at the top level himself a former world champion but is it enough does it even matter who's in anthony joshua's corner when he gets in with a wizard like alexander usyk because that's how he looks to me um alexander usyk i mean I'm going to make a prediction that on Friday, he probably will will be fully clothed at the weigh-in. And he could even have uh, a pocket full up with coins. Because I think he's trying to give off the impression that he's heavier than he is. I think he's definitely a bit more bulked up. From what I've seen, and I don't know if you saw the same thing, Eddie. I'm going to come to you in about 10 seconds. But it's it seems to me like Alexander Usyk has bulked up a bit. And... To me, that sends out a message that he's here to hurt Anthony Joshua this time. But then at the same time, you'd say, why? Why do you need to do this? If it's not broke, don't fix it. You boxed tremendously last time. You nearly had him out. You know, you don't need to bulk up and then take away a bit of your quickness and then put yourself in a position where you're you're going to maybe be slower on your feet and maybe have to trade with, I guess, the bigger puncher in Anthony Joshua. You'd be giving him a chance. But I think Usyk does look like he's bulked up. Um, I'm not sure really and truly how much weight he's put on. We're going to have to wait and see. But um to me it just looks like he's bulked up a bit and my only uh guess behind that would be that he's looking to plant his feet a bit more and um inflict some damage on Anthony Joshua and maybe aim for the stoppage. But you're the professional my man, so what what do you think we're going to see?
0: Uh honestly, I I don't I never like a guy putting on weight on—I on, don't want to say fluff because it's not fluff, obviously—it's solid weight. But I don't like ga- a guy putting on excess weight unnecessarily, um, unless for whatever reason you got to make a weight or something like that. I don't—I don't really—I don't, really, don't want to take away what makes me me. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't want to take away from what what won him the title. You understand what I'm saying? Like boxing skills and IQ. And the understanding of what Joshua was doing and adjustments is what kept him in the lead and kept him and, and put him in a position to be heavyweight champion of the world. You know, to 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 then, like you said, Joe, and, and you said it, it was right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I understand fine-tuning certain areas and certain aspects, but if you put weight on specifically to prepare, to, you know, exchange with a guy who – I wouldn't try to exchange with unnecessarily unless there's a certain plan you have to go along with it. I get it if he's figuring well, I'm ready to combat what Joshua is probably coming to do, which is to right from the you know early onset of the fight to come in there and try to dominate strength wise as well as space and and to you know and to absor- to to put his will to, to, to Yusek immediately, which is what I would have said to do in the first fight <laughs> because I wouldn't want to give him the opportunity to get into a groove and start boxing, which is exactly what happened. And then he ended up winning the decision and almost getting him out of there, actually, it looks like at the end of the fight. So it, so I go back to Yusek and say, well, what do you... I mean, I, I think that you want to be prepared for if it comes that way or if it goes that way, but I think with his boxing ability and what he's able to do, and how he moves his head and puts himself in position, even if Andy Joshua does come and comes to seek and destroy, I think there's more opportunity for Yusuke to then pick him off. He doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily need to, yeah, it, he, I don't I don't really think that he needs to be uh, physically necessarily prepared for, oh, there's this big onslaught coming. I mean, I feel like he's already prepared for that. Skills pay the bills. I'm not saying that having size and athleticism and things like that don't add to it. Absolutely it does. And 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 Joshua has that. But that didn't stop him from winning from 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 Usyk beating him in the first fight. You understand what I'm saying? So it really I don't want to say it doesn't matter or it doesn't make sense. Because maybe in their plan, whatever they have planned, and maybe they are planning, hey, we're gonna have to put hands on this guy so we need to stop him. We don't want big money to come speak for us. We don't want these judges to have to, you know, have to get involved, and 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 they, you know, when it, it put Anthony Joshua back on top, because maybe Tyson, there's a Tyson Fury fight that may be coming soon. We want to make sure that we go out there and and take the judges out of this fight. I get that, but at the end of the day, you got to do your job. You got to go out there and win. Damn, what might happen at the end of the fight? You got to think about what it is the best way for you to go and win the fight, and for Alexander Ustick, the best way for him to win is the way he won the previous way the previous fight and not to put yourself in harm's way unnecessarily just because hey, man we got to get this guy out of there this time it's not important in my opinion you got to go out there and control and control what you can is 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 going to ring box this guy beating from pillar to post if you can and Emb- i don't want to say embarrass him but yeah if you can embarrass him whatever it is you need to do show you're the boss show you're the man but that doesn't mean you got to go out there and try to exchange with him and, and get a knockout just because you think that maybe the judges aren't going to agree with you. Doesn't matter. Got to go out there and win the fight the best way you know how, and the safest and smartest way you know how as well. So my advice would be to hopefully, hopefully he just put that weight on his extra armor. Maybe he'll feel a shot a few more, a, a little bit more of this fight. And their plan is to do the same thing and and be a little even a little slicker. You know uh, throughout the fight because you know Joshua's coming i feel like he's coming to he's not coming to go to distance i think Joshua's coming to 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 put him put him to sleep if he can and i think that's the smart way because i don't you cannot allow Usyk to get in that groove again because if he does game over you know what i mean the only thing at that point you can hope to land his lucky shot and i just don't see that happening so um exciting fight i'm looking forward to it you know what i mean i you know i'm I'm generally a, a lighter weight guy watching lighter weight fights, but I'm really excited about this. I like the skill level that's going to be involved in it. I think obviously just has a higher level of skill, but I think I think Joshua with, you know, Roberto Garcia now being involved, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see the changes, you know what I mean, that he's, that he's trying to implement. Maybe he's not really changing anything. Maybe he's just, just just focusing on different ways to aim Anthony Joshua's ability and hopefully be successful in this fight. So looking forward to it. It's exciting. Uh but I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking Usyk by decision.
1: Yeah, Usyk decision. I think Usyk with a late stoppage around uh, the second half of the fight. But if I had to be more specific, I'd say 9-12. Um, to 12. Um, You know, I, I do want to wrap this up. And I know that time is um, of the essence, Eddie. We've got to wrap this up in a minute. But I just wanted to say that after the first fight there was this uh, I think it was Eddie Hearn who kind of uh, came out with it initially and obviously a hell of a lot of casual fans listen to what Eddie Hearn says and you know Eddie Hearn must be right because he said it and there was this kind of um, this this attitude or this this uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for this agenda that a lot of boxing casual fans took on that It was just as simple as, oh, Anthony Joshua needed to let his hands go sooner. When he let his hands go in one of the rounds, he had some success. He clipped Usyk with a good shot. I think it was in round nine or something. He just needs to start faster. He needs to go for it. He needs to trade with Usyk. And I'm trying to say, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. That is not how it works. You don't just press a button and that's how the fight's going to go. No, no, no. That would leave him even more open, like you said, to being picked off by Mm -hmm. the much smarter fighter. Um, I, I was arguing this out with with a couple people um, just yesterday um, outside uh, in the street. I was talking to a couple guys and um, I was saying it it isn't as simple as that. It takes two to tango and I think Usyk Mm -hmm. is in the driving seat. If he wants to box, it will be a boxing match. If he wants to trade, it will be a fight. I think it's up to Usyk. I think he is in full control because the IQ is so heavily in his favor.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the only way that Anthony Joshua changes that is by upsetting that, you know what I mean? In a way where you can't just go out and be busy. You know, it's not, it's not like that. You know, it's not that simple. Oh, I'm just going to come out and throw punches. Because if you don't, if you do it in an unintelligent way, if you do it in, in, a, in a way that isn't really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That isn't really, um, I guess, intelligent. Intelligible, doesn't, you, you, don't, you don't see openings. You're just throwing the throw. You're going to you're going to put yourself in in harm's way in a way where you is is easy for him to set traps for a guy who's just going to keep walking on to him. He's going to keep walking on the punches. You understand what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong. Being aggressive, being strong, mauling him at times is the way to go. But you have to still do it within a plan. There has to be some kind of planning set in play. You can't just walk in and throw punches. That would be like, okay. Well, that means anybody from in, you know on the street that's big and strong could just come and beat Alexander Usyk, the heavyweight champion of the world. That's not how it's going to work. You got to go in with a plan. It's got to be, it's got to be you know round by round. You got to know what you're going to do. I think he should pick up the pace. There's no doubt about it. I think he should be on him. I don't think he should be looking to. To, to, to wait to, to see what's going to happen at the end of the fight, but, you know, get to the, to the final bell, wait for the decision. No, no. I think he should be going in, seeking, destroy, looking for a knockout. But do it in an intelligent way. Behind the jab, lots of feints, a lot of pressure, foot pressure. Make Usyk uncomfortable. You have to make him uncomfortable. Because if he gets into that groove and he's able to start picking shots and, and getting you gun shy about things and, 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 and unsure, you're just you're just gonna be lunch meat, and and that's just the way it is. So uh, you're 100% right, Joe. You can't just come in wild. You gotta come in with the with with the right with a solid game plan, and you gotta be focused, and you, and you gotta be ready to you gotta be ready to 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 possibly lose, to win. You understand what I'm saying? So you gotta take chances. You gotta you gotta put yourself out there, but not unnecessarily and not in an unintelligent way.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, of course, and yes, yeah, a lot more than. Uh, just being more aggressive for Anthony Joshua, he does have to follow a game plan. To uh, It's got to be a good game plan, and it's got to be a game plan he can follow to absolute perfection. Anything less, and he loses the fight. We've never seen him be as smart as what he's going to need to be to be Usyk. And of course, Usyk isn't going to do what we saw Andy Ruiz do in that second fight um, in Saudi. Um, yeah, Same place, but not quite the same fighter. Um, But anyway, that wraps up the preview part of the show. I'm super excited for Saturday now, if I wasn't before. That brings everything to a close, though. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 357 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the former WBO heavyweight world champion, Joseph Parker. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. That's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. I know you will. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.